Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee that thou has given us life and breath. And in that, we have a responsibility to respond to the message of salvation that is directed to us who are in need of this salvation. We pray, Father, that as we hear thy word, as we have heard it already this morning, and we heard it many times, or perhaps even now, today, maybe the first time when it really speaks to our hearts, we pray that thy will would be fulfilled and that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to it. We pray that thou would feed us according to thy perfect will and provide for our needs. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read with the Lord's help from the New Testament, given that this is our afternoon service and should try to keep it within our time limit. If you'd like to follow with me, I'd like to begin with chapter 2 of the uh, epistle of Paul to Titus. The letter to Titus, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God to bring its salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our, and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I have read the entire chapter. 
Let's bow in the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you this afternoon hour again on bended knees. Lord, in submission to you and to your word. And Lord, now as we sit at your feet for learning, we know that you know our lives better than we know ourselves. We ask that you would open our eyes to see ourselves the way you see us. Help us to remove all the pretense that we perhaps have convinced ourselves of, of who we are and who we think we are. And help us to see you clearly, to see us clearly as you see us. Lord, you have been so good to us, and we love and appreciate what you do for us, and we want to draw closer to you. We want to live our lives in submission to you and your will. And Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we don't do this, where we think, as absurd as it is, that we know better than the creator of the universe. Forgive us for this, we pray. We ask that you would be with our brother who, has been, who is willing to be used of you, who is willing to open the word and expound to us what we need to hear. Give him strength. Give him courage to say what you would have him to say. Help us to be attentive. Help us, Lord, to put aside the busyness of this world and the distractions that Satan would like to put in our minds. Help us to see and hear what you want us to hear. We thank you in advance for this blessing, even this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've started the new year, 2014, as the calendar goes. And we have a lot of things that we can look forward to as far as the promises of God. We can look even to the past, the very recent past in our year. And even as we heard this morning in the announcements, what God has accomplished in us, to think that it was about a year ago when we had the open house here, uh, we had an opportunity to, to show and to speak to those that visited from our neighborhood and, and people that used to come to this uh, church uh, before uh, it was sold, and for them to see the transformation that took place in the building itself. And even as we look into our own lives, we can see that individually, God does not stop to work in our lives. And sure, if we are to spend time thinking more about it, that we would come to the conclusion that there are things we could have done better last year, and certainly things that demonstrate that we have grown spiritually in our lives, and that we have drawn closer to the, the measure of the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, that that image that is to be forever in our minds as to 
what God expects from us, who we are to become like, and we are to become like his son. But none of us are able to design our lives or the events in our lives in such a way to bring out that in us. Only God is able to do that. And I, I certainly appreciated the message this morning as we could clearly see that Martha and Mary and those Jews that were there that believed because Lazarus was raised from the dead, as the account went, yeah. that was a very particular example that spoke in many ways to Mary and Martha and to Lazarus. And each of us have our own things in our own lives where God has orchestrated in such a way that we could never have reached the same effect. We would never have come to the same realization of ourselves. Ultimately, it's to understand ourselves better. And in coming to that understanding, we make the right choices to go in the right direction, and thereby we glorify God and we honor him. In many ways, our life is a journey of discovery of who we are and what we need to become like and the strengths and weaknesses that we have. When, when God calls us and we respond to that call and we become a child of his, we are nowhere near being perfected. We are nowhere near the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. We are nowhere near that mature person in Christ. But we have this long journey ahead of us. This year, we don't know what the year brings. To some of us, it will bring hardship, perhaps continued hardship. Perhaps it may bring tests that will really question, as we heard this morning, um, our ability to believe the simple things that God is always with us and he never, even as we sang at lunchtime, that he will never forsake us. Even though at times, as we are going through our experiences, it's difficult to sense his presence. And sometimes we question the rationale behind what is happening in our lives, how, how God could, could see a good in what is actually happening. As I thought about these things this morning in my own meditation, and I thought about we are facing the new year, and in this new year we know, this we can be sure of, there one year has passed, we are one year closer to the coming of the Lord. That is for sure. That is a fact. And as we draw closer to that appearing of his son, the Bible gives us a sense of urgency as to how should we live. What is then expected of man as, as the time approaches and as it draws near? And the question of, you know, how, how should we then live in this world or in this present age as we see the many things changing in us. We had that recent Bible discussion uh, on Wednesday night about the signs of the times, how we do see it in the world. And, and we just have to look to our neighbor in the South, for us Canadians, we look to our neighbor in the South and we see how there are so many things already in place there that, that could 
could usher in, if there was a will in the government, could usher in things that we would, we would read about in the, in the New Testament about the end times. I recently heard about the, that they will be testing, I think in, in five of the states, they will be piloting these drones in order to, uh, I guess that the, the statement was made that in, in, the, in the guise of safety that they're going to test how this will affect air traffic. And, and to think recently in Toronto, they, they had, there was a court challenge about the privacy, the effect to our privacy that the police had, have a camera that has the ability to, um, to take pictures of license plates. And, I, and I'm going to misquote this, but it's in the hundreds per second that it can, it can analyze the, the license plate and then it could register it's through a computer database whether that's, that's a license plate of an individual they're looking for. And this issue that that could be used for face recognition, that the police could be driving around looking at face recognition software. And you think about how that technology is all there. It's, it's, everything can happen so quickly. In fact, everything is in place to happen tomorrow if it had to be. But right now the will of the government is not such. And the Bible tells us that many things need to happen before that is the case. And as I looked at this word here, the, the thought that came to mind, how then should we then live in the, in the time that we are approaching? The Bible tells us in verse 12 of Titus 2 that it teaches us, for the grace of God bringing, bringeth salvation, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So it describes three characteristics of how we should live in this present world, and it uses the word or the uh, adverb soberly, righteously, which means upright, in an upright manner, uh, and godly. And my attention clung to the word soberly because we, we've often talked about how Christians, how the, the word to be sober, to, to, um, to behave in a sober manner, to be soberly, that to live in a sober way is, is a characteristic of Christians. And oftentimes it is used throughout the scripture in many references. And I as we look even into this chapter itself, a Paul who wrote this letter to Titus speaks to him that, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, the teachings, doctrine is teaching, things that, that we need to hear that are sound, that are, that are um, beneficial, that are founded on un unmovable truths that will, we will be able to cling to in times of difficulty. And as the new year is before us, we don't know what difficulties each of us will face. We don't know how quickly times will change. So we need to rely on teaching that is solid, that is consistent with the scripture. And the first thing that Apostle Paul encourages through this sound teaching is that the aged man, and here it's talking about the elderly, 
the, the aged man that they be sober. The same word is used, but in fact, it's not the same word. Um, this word here that is, that is used, sober, is, is uh, in reference, it means temperate. And in particular, the word here, when it uses the word sober, it means temperate with respect to drinking, respect to wine, with respect to alcohol. And so the reference here is that the aged man be temperate in particular with respect to the consumption of alcohol, that they be grave. Now, the word here, grave, also means to be serious, um, to behave in a dignified manner, to be looked that so that, and these are all actual, these are actually adjectives that when one were to look at an elderly person, an elderly Christian, an elderly Christian man, that the, the, the description, the adjectives that would come to our mind would be one that would show temperance, would not allow himself to come under the influence, let's say, of alcohol or anything else, would keep his body under subjection, would behave in a, in a, in a dignified, serious manner. Now the word, the, set, the third word that's used here for the aged man is the word temperate, and now this is, uh, this means here self-controlled. That the elderly man would, would, as you and I would look upon such a person, in our mind we would come up with a description that that person uh, exemplifies or exhibits in his behavior someone who exercises self-control, who um, is able to curb the, the, the appetites and, and uh, passions of the flesh and is um, careful in, in, in the way they live to show that moderation. Sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Now, the next thing that we hear here as far as sound teaching, is that the aged women... So Apostle Paul spoke to Titus and said, this is what, what we would expect to see of the elderly Christian man. Ones that, that we would expect to look upon as pillars of the church. But the elderly women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, or that they would, they would walk in a way that is... Uh, uh, fitting or is, is um, representative of someone who is holy. Not false accusers. And here it says, not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. And then it goes on to verse 4, teachers, when it says teachers of good things, it goes on to verse 4 that the elderly women, that they may, in, by living lives that are, that are becoming holy, that are represent, representative or, or, or fit to be called holy, not false accusers and not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that by living this way, by living this way, they may be able to teach the young women to be sober. And here the word sober is the 
um, is the word for uh, self-controlled. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet or temperate. The word discreet here is temperate. Chaste, which means that they would be pure. <coughs> that if someone were to look at a, at, a, at a young woman, a young married woman, that they would see purity. Physically, they would see purity. Which means that um, the same would be true for all of us. And we live in a world where purity is, 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 is something that's no longer looked upon with any, any acclamation or any positive virtue. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, which means to, to be at home, guiding at home, managing the, the needs of the home, good, obedient to their own husbands or submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I think it would be fair to say that these statements that we've just read here um, would receive very little support in our society today. And yet, Apostle Paul writes to Titus that these are the things that we need to hear. This is the sound doctrine, the sound teaching that must come forth if we are to prepare Christians and, and, and have the, those that, that have lived long enough in their Christian faith be an example for the younger, that they may have credibility in order for the younger to see the virtue and the value in the one who has walked before them. And then it goes to young man. Young man, exhort likewise to be sober-minded. And this word sober-minded here is, is again different. And this word sober-minded is, um, in, it is to, to have a... It, it not only means self-controlled in the sense that, that the young men are to curb their physical passions or their, their, their um, desires, physical desires. It's the ability to exercise self-control of your physical appetites of the flesh. But it also means, if, when, when that word is referenced back in the rest of the New Testament where it is used, uh, Paul uses it as a word where the young men have to take stock of who they really are. In other words, that they, should, they have to have a more realistic view of themselves. In other words, not to think higher than themselves than they really are. So when it says here to be sober-minded, we, we're not talking about someone who's just serious. We're talking about someone who, who is thinking carefully about who they are. I want to read a few verses from, from, the, from the gospel. From Luke chapter 21, verse... 34. Now, this is speaking about the end times. And Jesus says to the disciples, after he's explained to them the things that should happen, he talks about the fact that there will be 
um, wars and rumors of wars, um, that they will be brought in, in persecution, and that there will be signs in heaven just before his coming. And he says, that, you know, that when these signs come forth, you know that, for instance, when, when, when um, behold a fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh, now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is, is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape of these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The expression here, and take heed to yourselves, it means to um, give it special attention. Draw your attention to this very special fact. And what he's saying here is, draw the attention to the special fact that you are not found in this condition. That you're not found in a condition where our hearts are weighed down, overcharged, uh, with, with surfeiting means with over, overindulgence. Um, that we are not caught in a, uh, uh, in, uh, in a position of drunkenness or where we're under the influence of alcohol. Or it can be taken in a more general sense that, that we have, our senses are, are, have been dulled and that we are found in a position where the cares of this life um, or we are become anxious, anxious. So that that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on them that dwell on the face of the earth. And here the expression for as a snare is really, it's like a trap. And it's like the, tra- like we are, the, the trap suddenly closes in on us when we are in a position where we haven't taken special attention Apostle Paul uses that same expression, and I'm going to read just in closing here. It's found in one of the letters to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that we should redeem the time. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much... 
what will come in the days that follow in our lives. But redeeming the time is an expression that means that we make the, we make the most of all opportunity given to us. We make the best use of our time. We take advantage of the situation given to us. And we don't know what those situations will be. So when it says here, see then that ye walk circumspectly, that means that you, um, the word circumspectly means to be careful, but it, it actually here in this exact means that you walk exactly, that you, are, you pay very special attention on how you exactly walk. In other words, it's the same thing as taking heed thereto. You are going to devote and direct. We are to direct special attention in this year of how we are going to walk. How are we going to walk? Are we going to have this soberness, this uh, ability to have self-control, this ability to uh, understand who we really are, be able to use the opportunities given to us to take advantage of the best use of our time in order to do God's will and to further his purpose in our lives. If we don't do that, the Bible says here that we are not wise and that we need to do that because the days are evil. And we know that. We know the days are evil. Every day, we just have to read in the news. Every day, we see how legislation changes in our government. We see how good is, is become bad and bad has become good. We see these changes all around us. Every day, we are asked to be sober. To, and the word circumspect, it's from the Latin, which circ, circum, which means around, and, and spect is, is to see. And so it, it gives the picture that we are to constantly look around. We're having this, and the same word is used for sober or to watch, to be vigilant. In fact, when we read in Luke 21 where Christ told them, watch and pray, it's the same concept, circumspect. Be always watching, looking around, and being aware because your adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we may find ourselves like that trap door, like that snare, that if we allow ourselves to be ensnared by the things of this life, we, we miss out on what God is asking of us and what he would like to see of us. May the Lord add to his word whatever is lacking. Amen. In the times to take a look at the year ahead of us and to think about the things that we did in the past that we could do better. Really, it's, it's, it's just an arbitrary selection, uh, a point in time that we call this a new year. But it's convenient for us. It's good to have a beginning and end and, and a time frame that we can examine and assess in our own lives and say there are areas that I could I could be more spiritual I could be more mature I could be more faithful or I could simply be more obedient even if, as we heard this morning our faith may be lacking in certain areas it doesn't prevent us from simply obeying and Obeying helps because once you are, you are obeying, you begin to see the fruit 
of that obedience, you begin to see how God works things out. And sometimes it's just important to simply obey what we cannot understand. We don't know what's going to come this year. But we can trust him that whatever will come, he will see us through it. May the Lord bless this word. This concludes our service. Amen.